0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests of the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Bell Media and TSN 1050.
1: It is time for Greg Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasco show trending twitter like a bomb tens of thousands on his lawn he's even followed by your mom what? broadcasting live here is your warning the topics are flowing every saturday morning on. car talk like sherlock the guy knows wheels like a dial star. movie talk on the boardwalk shoot facts like a tomahawk so entertaining turn up the station there's no more waiting this show is beginning it's too late to escape let's go here's your host Greg
2: Slackers. Good morning, Slacker Nation. This is your little secret. Here is where Slackers from all over the country, especially in Ontario, congregate every single Saturday morning. So we have a date. Very interesting Saturday this Saturday, Ben. You know doesn't it feel like the election was two years ago? Is Ben there? Ben is busy. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh he's eating, he's having his breakfast, there you go. He was he was at the Jays game last night. Came home late. I hear it in his voice. But good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining the Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show that uh, for the last four or five weeks or so is turned into a political commentary show, but um, that's all your fault, people. That's all you want to talk about. Uh, saying that, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and I can tell you one thing, the special offers haven't changed. You know, the biggest deal right now, Ben, is that we have cars in stock. (laughs) Nobody else has anything.
0: Who would have thought that? So if
2: you are looking at purchase, uh, not in the almost (laughs) 30 years that I've been in the car industry, um, I was telling everyone a couple of months ago that if they were looking at buying a car within the next, I don't know, two, three, four, five months, not to wait because this, Shortage of certain components. Um, I attended a allocation or production meeting from Infinity the other day, and they were talking about IV components. They were talking about TFT screens, which are the big screens that most cars have these days on the dash. And the microconductor situation is not getting any better. So the production cuts uh, have no end. In sight, so folks, I am um, for those of you that follow me for those for those of you who follow me on social media. You heard my message on Thursday that um, it is crucial that if you buy in a vehicle, regardless of the brand, that you are not only given the VIN number of this vehicle, uh, but also to make sure the vehicle is in stock. Because what uh, what I've heard from a bunch of you slackers that. Uh, have made the mistake of buying a vehicle somewhere other than from myself because after that I can't help you. When you buy a vehicle somewhere else, after whatever happens, happens, and you come and see me. I am not going to help you get out of a deal. I'm not I'm not in the business of doing that. You go, you live up to your word, you sign another dotted line, keep your promise. I'm not gonna help you out of a deal. So that's one of the biggest advantages that you have by coming and dealing with me, and is this show. This show holds me accountable every single Saturday. But saying that, uh, I have heard from you guys and girls that uh, some dealers are selling vehicles that don't exist, and uh, under the pretext that they're placing a factory order, and the factory cannot guarantee that those vehicles are going to be produced in the first place because we had a bunch of vehicles that were supposed to come to us in the month of September, October, November, as well as December. And guess what? They're gone. They are gone. So we have nothing coming. Uh, if your lease is up in the next, the next month or so, or two for that matter, and you need to get yourself a vehicle, I would not be waiting. That is a bit of a big problem. Um, And as I was saying before, the the, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And about five or six months ago, uh, myself and my two rock stars, GSM's Daniel and Jason, uh, we made some interesting allocation choices. We bought a pile of cars because there were some rumblings out there. And because I have friends in low places, I was given some information that a lot of people didn't have, so we kind of accumulated a few vehicles, if you will, and that has placed us in an interesting position because we have more vehicles than just about anybody in the entire province, um, but a bad position because on target setting methodology, they have changed it now, and just because we have more vehicles on ground, our targets are higher than people that should be selling more cars. But anyways, that's a whole different beef that I have with internal operational stuff from my manufacturer, so be it. All I can say to you now is this, that if you are in the car industry and you have a live customer, you must convey the urgency of what I'm telling you this morning. They, these are unprecedented times. I have never seen this in all the years that I have been in the industry. Yeah, from time to time you run out of cars. From time to time you have a new product and they, you put them on back order. No problem. Done. But now even the new products that are supposed to be the saviors of a brand are getting cut down and pulled back. And I don't know if the U.S. is having getting the preference of our product, but uh, it seems like in the U.S. nobody cares about Canada. So, the U.S. has a massive product shortage. Remember, folks, the U.S. has ten times the population, and they have ten times the need... Of products, so this is becoming such a big issue, Ben. And I, I know that I'm. This is this topic is pretty esoteric, and uh, I don't expect you to follow what I'm going to say to you. But for those of you that work in the car industry, uh, it's something that you need to understand. And if you're a listener that uh, are just curious about what's happening in the car industry, I want to share a couple of things with you that are having a huge impact on dealer operations, at least for the last three or four months so this microconductor shortage has stopped the factories The, the press has stopped so traditionally we have a steady supply of product that comes on the ground and often they have so much product because you see the the car manufacturer is only interested in selling the vehicles to the dealer for the manufacturer the dealers are the customers not you folks we are so they just shove product down our throat on a regular basis. And it, this is regardless of the brand. So this is not an attack on Nissan or Infinity or Hyundai or Genesis. It, that's, that's not the case. Every single manufacturer is constantly in the business of so just shoving product down in your um, inventory lines to the point that often we have five, six, seven months worth of product on ground. So this is never an issue really. But now we have no vehicles coming. So, naturally, rental companies and uh, fleet companies across the country, they have no product to purchase from dealers because dealers, the smart dealers anyways, are looking out for their staff. And you need to have retail product to sell. We don't have any. So we started to hear rumors about, uh, rental companies buying used cars for them to put out as a rental fleet. Uh, I heard rumors of Auto Canada, which is, I believe is the largest uh, automotive group in, in Canada, buying thousands of vehicles from Enterprise, which is unheard of because traditionally Enterprise doesn't make any money renting cars. They, they make all the money selling those vehicles for which they got credit from the manufacturer in the first place so they make the money off the dealers. Everybody makes money off the dealers these days. So now, all this supply chain issues started to dry up the inventories. We have no new cars. And now, because we have no new cars, we have no trade-ins. Rental cars are not hitting the dealer lots. They're going to the auction. The auction is given some interest in monies. There are no cars. But look what's happening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an, an example, Ben, of something that took place last week at the store, which is... I, I've never seen this before. So traditionally we are a velocity principle organization so i subscribe to the velocity principle we use viado um i believe in having a 60-day turn of the product if it's not good bad or indifferent it's gone and if you're a used car manager out there you know worth your weight in salt salt or is it gold whatever if you if you if you are a self-respect and use it's gold (laughs) whatever If you are a self-respecting used car manager, which I believe that the position is obsolete anyways, but that's a whole different conversation. If you are a self-respecting used car manager and you still have product that is 60 days old, you need to literally just fire yourself because that if, if, if your product is any longer than it is any older than 60 days, that's still product is frozen capitals, vehicles don't go up in value. They go down in value, except that right now, Financers are defying what we know about the industry for the last 100 years. So look at this, Ben. We took two vehicles that we couldn't sell at the store. For some reason, we cannot sell these type of vehicles at my store. So we sent them to the auction. The auction gave us over $7,000 more than we were asking for the vehicle retail. And when you see who is buying all these vehicles from dealers, are U.S. Dealers that have run out of products. So now that's all well and good, except that if a Canadian dealer goes to the auction, the prices are so high that we should literally be buying vehicles above MSRP on used cars. I mean, I'm, I'm talking MSRP on a used car is market value. So we literally have to pay above retail to get a vehicle to bring to our lots. So that's an impossibility. I'm not going to be buying this. So This is a catch-22. If I buy the vehicle, (laughs) listen to this, if I buy the vehicle at the auction, I have to pay over retail. If I don't buy it, I have no products. So this is putting the entire car industry in Canada in complete disarray. Product supply is one of the biggest challenges that I have ever seen. Our industry going through right now. And look, when dealers, I mean, this is, this is are rumblings all over the city. So this is nothing new with the show here. There are no more discounts in cars. And the reason why there are no more discounts is not because the dealers don't want to play ball with you. That's not the case at all. It's because if they don't make any money, they cannot keep their people employed. They cannot turn the lights on. We literally have no cars. So now, if you're a consumer and you didn't do what I told you to do three months ago, and you are left it to the last minute, guess what? There are no more discounts for you. Something else that a lot of people are doing, uh, Ben, out there in the marketplace, is that they're not taking cash deals because we have seen uh, regular citizens or dealers, wholesalers, curbsiders, if you will, posing as customers, buying cars cash and exporting them to the u.s and making the spread so selling a vehicle cash exposes you to supplying the product that is actually making it across to the u.s and that's not a good thing so many dealers are not even selling vehicles cash to the general population anymore so now, I don't know the internal situation of your dealership. Clearly, there are 2,000 new car dealers, I believe, in Ontario. But if you are a salesperson working for one of these dealerships, number one, you need to be able to defend this position with your consumer that, sorry, this is it. And if you are still giving discounts when you are selling the vehicle today, you are not paying attention to your financial statement. So maybe this is the time for you to sit down with your general manager and have a discussion. So now, when a customer comes in, it is your judiciary duty to take the customer outside and say, pick, pick something that is here because anything else that you buy that we don't have or that you may think is coming from the factory, there is a very strong possibility that." number one, may not make it, number two, that it's going to take three, four, five, six months until it arrives. And I don't know if you have that kind of time. Does this make sense, man?
0: Yeah, it does. Are you there with me? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as a dealership, if you're really in need to get rid of a vehicle that just won't sell, I mean, I guess it's good for you in that sense. But realistically... You're probably gonna have to use it more to bring vehicles in in which case you're you're really hurting in terms of the price you're gonna have to pay to get it in and then on top of that you have and, the and that's an issue factor
2: <laughs> that seems to be a big problem these days believe it or not and i'm gonna have uh, one of the head of communications from Ombit come in here on the show within the next couple of weeks to discuss how how uh, what is the word impervious is everywhere um hope Wholesalers posing as individual buyers and sellers in avoiding taxes, selling vehicles with a lot of problems. And uh, this is something that needs to stop, but that's a whole different topic of conversation. Saying that, Saturday is the busiest day for car dealerships, and anyone that works in the industry knows this. Now, if you are a consumer that is part of Slacker Nation listening to the show, uh, or if you are a brand new listener, this is Canada's largest automotive radio show We, I don't know how we got to where we are today, but I can tell you this. I'm not a car person. I like to drive nice cars from time to time because this is what I do for a living. But here is where you get the straight goods. Why? Because I don't want to talk about mechanics. I don't want to talk about brakes. I don't want to talk about compression ratios. I don't want to talk about horsepower and torque ratios. I don't want to talk about towing capacity. Folks, that is boring. I want to talk about the concept of buying and selling vehicles. There is where I can help you because I'm not a mechanic. I'm just a regular dude doing regular things that became kind of known for what I know about the industry, and this is what I'm sharing with you. This is how I give back. Folks, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. Folks, this is 2021. And if you're still paying commission when you buy a vehicle, you're leaving money on the table. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. And we're back. You are listening to Canada's largest automotive radio show with your host here. Greg, the slacker Carrasco, I bring almost 30 years of automotive knowledge to you so you can feast on it. Open up your mind and listen to this. I'm only going to save you money. I'm only going to make your life easier. And those of you that listen know exactly what I'm talking about. I had a conversation with my son yesterday in which he made a mistake on something really, really Crucial for himself. And he says to me, now I know. I said, that's precisely. You see, experience is easy to achieve. Wisdom, on the other hand, is very, very expensive. So when your parents tell you something, they have the wisdom for which they pay a huge price. Listen. Listen, pay attention. The, the whole concept that we don't listen to other people is, is fascinating to me, Ben. No, no, I got to experience it by myself. I got to go through my own journey. Oh, stop it. We want to give you the map. We want to give you the navigation that you need to figure things out. Now, saying that, it doesn't mean that we have figured, things figured out. I'm still right in the middle of it. I feel like a quicksand band. I feel like every time I try to move just to make a move that I I feel is the right thing to do, it's like I sink a little deeper. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop moving, Greg. Stop moving. I need to send a big shout out to my very good friend. He's a beast. He's a savage. His name is Derek DeCunha. We started our jiu-jitsu journey together, or he started a few months before I did, and uh, we've been beating each other up for the last four years, four straight years, and I'm am, I'm amazed that we didn't hurt each other permanently when we first started fighting together. So he got promoted to his purple belt. Those were if not hundreds, thousands of hours that we spend on the mats just beating each other senseless. I couldn't think of a single other person that deserved that purple belt more than you, Derek. A big shout-out. Good for you, man. I even had a dream that night about him getting belt. Jiu-jitsu is a funny thing. It gets in your brain and you just can't stop thinking about it. Just one more video. One more submission. It never stops. Last night, I couldn't sleep. 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3.30, 4.10. At 4.30, I said, okay, I give up. What do I do? started watching videos of guard passes. And last night, I went to, I went to train with the beast at evil jiu-jitsu in Mississauga. And all the savages were out and it was hunting season on Carrasco. Anyways, it was a lesson in humility. We have somebody on the phone, no, Ben? Who do we have on the phone?
0: Yeah, we've got our friend Arif from Toronto. Arif, you're on The Great Carrasco Show.
2: Hey, Arif, what's going on, man? How can I make your life better this morning?
3: Uh, I, need, I, I have questions about hybrids. I need you to get really granular for me, and detailed, and help me understand um, If you have a hybrid, when does the gas portion kick in when you're driving? When does the non-gas portion kick in? The second part of the question is from a maintenance perspective. When we're bringing in a hybrid to get the regular maintenance done, is it more expensive because it's a hybrid? Or that has nothing to do with anything? And the final, actually that's it. Those are the two questions. Uh, And my goal with a hybrid is, not, is is gas saving? So I need to understand: Does it really save a lot in gas consumption? And does a rogue offer hybrid? And I'm sorry, a lot of questions, but
2: that's it. Um, Riff, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question with with a, with another question. Remember, at the beginning of the show, I told you that I find talking about cars and internal um, workings of a vehicle absolutely boring. Um, It's because most people actually don't care. And this is what I can tell you. And and I know that this is an anecdote, and I still share it with you. Um, When I was working with Hyundai, I, I took their Ionic Hybrid. Um, I I took it for a little bit. I wanted to see, I had never driven a hybrid before because I, I do still believe in the efficiency of the internal combustion engine, but that's a whole different philosophical conversation that I'm not prepared to have at this particular point. People will fall asleep, and I know they're sipping back on whatever drink they have on their porch right now, listening to the slacker. So... I took an Ionic uh, for a few weeks, and this was the experiment. I, I took a jerry can of fuel and I put it in the trunk, and what I wanted to do was to fill that thing up to the rim and then just drive it until it died, okay? Just drive it. So what started with 100, 2, 3, 500 kilometers, and uh, I'm still not even seeing the needle moving that much, 6, 7, 800 kilometers, and I'm thinking, hmm, this is very interesting. I've never had a car that lasted that long. I know that some Altimas, um, you know, back in a different life, I knew somebody that was the father of a person that I used to know that would drive down to South Carolina on, on their Altima. This is just a regular Altima. He would get close to 850, 900 kilometers out of that car. Um, again, straight line, steady speed. That's what you get efficiencies. But anyway, so this car just kept on going. So after uh, almost at the time when I wasn't driving that much, I got to about eleven hundred and fifty kilometers a reef Is when the vehicle has started to eh, 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 do its little thing, and um, it pull, I pulled over. And I th- I think I put the video on YouTube. But I got close to twelve hundred kilometers out of a hybrid Ionic. Um, I had gas with me. So I, I was able to make it to the gas station and fill it up. And uh, I don't advise you to do that because that's unsafe. The vehicle <laughs> dies when you're in the middle of the highway. You're going to put yourself in an unnecessary, uncomfortable position. So don't do that. Um, that's why the show is here. Saying that, I I have been able to see the tremendous amount of, uh, of fuel efficiency that you get out of a hybrid. I would say that you would get an average of 25 to 30 percent fuel efficiency on that vehicle. Um, now, you will pay a premium when you First, buy the vehicle because they're hybrid, so you you have to pay a premium for that. But as far as I understand, there is no difference in your maintenance cost between the internal combustion and a hybrid vehicle. I, I don't know of any difference in the schedule maintenance, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, if if you need to look at that, look at your maintenance schedule from the manufacturer, depending on what kind of vehicle you're buying, and it'll tell you whether you need to do something specific to a hybrid vehicle. As per when it starts and when it stops, who cares? You know, that's, that's a bigger question. Who cares? If you're getting better efficiencies, why not? Now, let me ask you something. How many kilometers are you driving a year, Arif?
3: So I, I have a Hyundai Santa Fe. I drive about 50,000 clicks a year, and I get about 560 okay. kilometers worth of driving per gas fill up right now.
2: That's excellent. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, the Santa Fe is sufficient. Is uh, if you get anywhere between five and 600 kilometers out of a tank out of, on a Santa Fe, do you have the 2 liter, the 2.4, or the 3.3? What do you have? 2.4. There you go. So that is it's the same engine that they used to have on the Hyundai Sonata. I don't know if they changed since I left, but it's a highly e- efficient engine. Now, it, uh, your radio is on, so it's, I'm getting a crazy echo when I talk to you. Um, this is coming from someone that um, drives about 80 to 90 thousand kilometers a year. Can you believe that, Ben? 80 to 90 thousand kilometers a year. There was one month when I first moved up here, when I am right now. Um, you know, a, a big shout out to all the people up in Georgina and Keswick. Um, I moved up here a few months ago, and uh, I started to put so many kilometers in my car. There was one month that I put just under 10,000 kilometers in my car. That was insane. But um, I think that if you are driving any more than 40,000 kilometers a year, a hybrid may be an alternative for you that... Uh, it could, it could save you some decent amount of money. But if you're driving anything less than 40,000 kilometers a year, I don't know if the economy, if the economy of the transaction works out because you will be paying four, five, six, seven thousand $7,000 more for a hybrid. But you know how long or how much gas you need to save in order for you to make up for that difference. But anyways, thank you for that phone call. Um, uh, RF, I, I really appreciate it. Hopefully I answer your questions, but, uh, I do see the benefit. I just, you know, I, I like the feel, I like the sound of a internal combustion, and you call me old school. Um, and before I continue with the next portion of the show, um, two things, my buddy Money Mike is going to be on the other side of the hour talking to us about the financial impact that the liberal government is going to have on your money for the next 1, 2, 5, 10 years. So if you want to know what their promises were and what the potential um, changes that are coming down the pipeline from the liberal government on your finances, on your taxes, on your capital gains, and everything else that we were talking about here for the last ever, uh, you want to listen to the show on the other side of the hour. But, um, oh, you know, I lost my train of thought. Completely lost my train of thought. What was I talking about, Ben? This is the worst. We were. We Do you were remember?
0: We were on the topic of um, the, the oh, cars I remember and then the you liking the sound of a, of a standard engine.
2: <laughs> I remember now what I was going to say. You know, um, somebody very dear to me uh, said to me once that uh, you know the age of a person is often determined by how many times they change their mind about something you know I've, and uh, I, I, I'm constantly trying to prove myself wrong I'm constantly trying to just break those. Shackles of customs and in traditions, an idea that I had in the past, and just change it. And for a long, for a long time, I, I didn't like Corvettes. I used to think like, ah, "What are they talking about?" And I, I would make fun of people that whenever they bought a Corvette, it's because they had too much money and they had no idea about cars. Um, and, and then I drove one, and like sweet mother of Jesus, I fell in love with that Corvette. I. I I cannot, I cannot explain to you what I was feeling when I was driving that vet. It wasn't that fast. Uh, it wasn't that crazy because I had just a regular vet. Um, but, um, the, the feel, you know, the locks, the comments, it was, wow, well, it, it was the same thing that when I, when I ride my Harley. It was the same thing. I, I love Corvettes. And yesterday, uh, one of the new vets showed up at the store. I don't know why he was there. But uh, it was a beautiful white with red interior. And it was just delicious to look at. At some point, I'm going to drive one of these things. Uh, but anyways, because I, I'm i changing my living arrangements, which is, again, a whole different level of discomfort that I'm going through right now, um, I took an F-150 to drive for the last week and a half Ben. So I'm living in Georgina.
0: (laughs) With an F one fifty out there. In a farm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hold hold on a sec. In a farm. (laughs) There are shotguns in my closet. (laughs) What's happening to me? (laughs) What is happening to me? So anyways I, somebody suggested I should buy a, a gun rack and just put it in the back of the pickup truck and I'll fit right in. I get a text from the old owner of this house this morning saying, Hey, Greg, duck season is <laughs> open. I can hear the gunshots <laughs> around town. It's, oh, dude, so tempting. But anyways, so I've been driving an F-150 for the last, I don't know, maybe 10 days. Dude dude or as my son would say bro 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 <laughs> I, I i have been converted i am a believer I don't remember ever driving something that, number one, doesn't feel like a pickup truck. Number two, the space is enormous. Number three, although it cost me $200 to fill up the tank, it gives me over 1,000 kilometers to drive the vehicle, so now I can go more than two days without refueling the car. But number three, there is a box in the back that I can put things that I don't want to see and that nobody knows that I carry inside the truck. And for that scary Bone-chilling time that I worked for Ram. I never really took one as a demo. I maybe took one home one day, but it was a different story. Now, I can understand why the Ford F-150 is the number one selling vehicle on the planet. Did you know that, Ben? The Ford F-150 is the number one selling vehicle on the planet.
0: Yeah, doesn't... uh doesn't surprise me. I have seen that. I do know that. But uh, I don't know. I think it is quite possible that I see more F-150s on the road than any other car.
2: But look at this. You want to hear some interesting, useless trivia right now? Let's hear it. You know what the number one selling car on the planet was back in 1930? F-150? It was the... Ford F-100 series, I think, pickup truck. Yeah, there so you go. <laughs> this car has been the best-selling vehicle on the planet for the last, I don't know, 90 years or so. And I understand why, folks. I will partner up at some point with a Ford dealership to promote their business. Uh, because what I can tell you is this, that F-150 that I'm driving right now, and it's in my lot, it's got only 20,000 kilometers, I believe it's a 2020. I don't know why this folks traded in, uh, but uh, I've had it, I've been driving it for the last 10 days or so. That vehicle is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It drives literally like a limo. You don't even hear the engine. You can put a cup in there, it doesn't go anywhere, even if you don't put it in the cup holder. The cup holder is so big that my dog, Marcus, can just sleep inside. And you know, I have to always look out for the comfort of my trusted guardian, which, by the way, has a beautiful mohawk. Is growing out. He's not looking at stuff anymore. But I think that now, for the first time, at the tender age of 49 years old, because I'm still in my 40s. Cut it out, People. I can say for the first time in my life, I understand why so many people buy the F-150, the Ford F-150, in my opinion. Now, look, this is coming from, I used to sell Titans. And the factory, without discussing it with the dealers, decided to pull the plug on the Titan truck, which I think it was a mistake, but what are you going to do? The truck is gone. They still sell it in the U.S. That was a phenomenal vehicle. It was a driver's vehicle. This one's a work truck. And as a work truck, I can tell you the F-150 is phenomenal. I, I I don't even know what to say. The truck is full of stuff. I'm moving things from you know Oak you know from Georgina down to Oakville and you know I drive around here. If I go if I need to go to the Walmart in Keswick or the home hardware on uh, what's the name of that road? The Queensway, there you go. The home hardware in the Queensway up in Keswick. A shout out to those people. There's a lady there that knows what's up. I wish I knew her name. Because every time I go there, she proves to me how not handy I am. You know when they say that if you can't be handy, you might as well be handsome? I failed at those two tasks. I don't have a single handy gene in my body. You know, the the biggest gene, handy gene that I have is Tom Calsby. He's my service <laughs> he's my service director. Whenever I need to figure something out I just go like, "Tom, are you free?" Uh, I don't know why I digress so violently from what I was talking about before. But then again, this show is my show, so I can talk about whatever I want. Now, if you want to call the show and you have a say in the matter, you want to discuss something with me, whatever's on your mind, Call me, 416-870-1050 is the phone number. We are live. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. That is not about cars. We talk about everything else. But call me, 416-870-1050. We are going to take a short break. And folks, don't forget that this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. That's where I hang my hat. And that's the only place that I can guarantee you, you are going to have a problem-free experience. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Don't put your blame on me if you made the mistake of going and buying another car from somebody else and it's not me and they sold you something that doesn't exist. I won't let that happen. But if you come and see me afterwards, it's too late, folks. It's too late. If you're looking at buying a car, leasing a car, selling a car, trading in a vehicle, anything that has to do with a car, if there is a car in your life, if there is a car parked in your driveway, if you have ever seen a car, and you have the slightest intention of doing anything that has to do with you acquiring, to do with the possession of an automobile, you owe it to yourself to come down to Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity, because I can tell you this. I have a battalion of automotive think tank savages that are ready to answer all your questions. So if you can't find me, don't worry about it. The only thing that I have on these people that work with me is just years of experience. That's it. Because when it comes to brain capacity, they're way smarter than I'll ever be. These folks are amazing. But before you buy your car, you need to come and see me. Because afterwards, it's too late. I can't and won't help you. Now, I have some vehicles in stock. I have cars on ground. For both Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. I have vehicles on ground. So if you are in a bind... You need to make it down to Oakville. We are 15 minutes away from anybody and from anywhere in the GTA, so long as it's at 2 o'clock in the morning and without traffic. We have a couple of callers, Ben, no? Who do we have on the line?
0: Yeah, our first one's uh, Greg from Toronto. Greg, you're on the great Corolla. Uh, excuse me, you're on
2: the Greg Cori- Greg, Cori- <laughs> how, Greg how can I make your life better this morning?
3: I got a question regarding financing and stuff like that. Do you understand?
4: I was just Recor- for- regarding
2: what?
5: Financing?
4: Okay. When
2: you're
5: going to finance a car? Now, I was talking to you earlier, or Mm -hmm. I was listening to you earlier, and you said that dealers really don't want cash deals. So if you're going to go in and pay cash, Um, my question is I understand when you're going through a dealership, um, you know, whether it be Mazda, Toyota, whatever, they have their own financing. But when it comes to a used car, they'll usually go through banks and stuff like that. Does a dealership get cutbacks from the bank when you finance through them for a used vehicle?
2: That's a very good question, and uh, just just so I answer, you know, your radio is on, so please turn the radio down because I'm getting a crazy echo, and people are hearing it, and it's a it's not a good experience. Um, okay, so dealerships don't have their own financing; this is all provided by captive finances uh, from the manufacturer. Um, now, they also provide you from time to time uh, interest rates on used cars, which is part of the certified pre-owned programs. Now, as per the kickback that you talk about, no, this is very well known. Um, this is Dealerships will get paid a small fee for sending the business to a bank because we're not going to do the work for the bank for free, but this is not something that affects you. Now, if you are, you know, if you were someone that doesn't pay your bills and you have, Unusually um bruised <laughs> or challenged credit, you know, sometimes the the finance experts that we have at car dealerships have to work for weeks to get somebody approved. And depending on the financial institution that they do business with, they will get a fee for that work they've done. So, you know, the the reality is this that people think that People in the car business shouldn't be paid money for doing some work. So what you call kickback is a that's a whole different nefarious criminal activity. This is whatever the bank pays a dealership is often in your contract. Uh just like your um your cab uh your uh, your your borrowing costs will be disclosed in your contract. So it, it's all there. Okay.
5: Okay. No, does that answer your question? Yes it does. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for... I'm I'm glad that I was able to answer that question. (laughs) Who who else do we have on the line there, uh, Ben? Walter from Toronto.
0: Walter, you're on The Greg Carrasco Show.
2: Walter, how can I make your life better this morning?
4: Well, actually, I hope you can. Um, I'm just going to give you a quick scenario. I I have a 2015 uh, Dodge uh, called Chrysler Minivan, the Grand Caravan. Okay. uh, About two years ago... Just, just as it passed the 100,000 powertrain warranty, I had to get a new transmission. And I think that's sort of par for the course for the, for the Chrysler minivans. But at any rate, I, I called Chrysler and I said, listen, you know, I, I understand I'm at 102,000 kilometers, but this is, you know, completely sort of unfair and, and blah, 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 you know, that my powertrain warranty just expired. Anyways, they gave me a, a $2,000 credit for the purchase of a new Chrysler, provided I bought it uh, before 2021. So I could buy a 2021 model year 2020, but they, I wouldn't get the credit if it was a 2022. So I've been tracking the prices of the van during the pandemic, and they were pretty stable, low 30s. And then, like you've been saying for the last little while, the prices just skyrocketed. Now they're now they're pushing thirty six, thirty seven thousand, uh, for the van that I'm looking at. And uh, I'm kind of at a loss as what to do. I mean, you see these prices settling down in the new year, maybe I can get a twenty twenty one when the twenty twenty twos are out. Like or should I call Chrysler again and ask him for another year reprieve. Like it's just I couldn't I could I can't believe the price jump in, the, in these vans, uh, because I guess because of the pandemic and components, just hoping to get some guidance from you.
2: Well, look, I, um, I have to be very careful because there is a lot of people that work for that organization that are good people, but my very brief experience with, with that brand uh, made me swear on my first born that I was never ever so long as I'm alive ever had anything to do with that car manufacturer again because I couldn't believe that the stuff that was going on at that place was still legal in 2019. It was beyond my level of comprehension. It's not a safe place. And um, now, did you service a vehicle at your local Chrysler store?
4: Walter? I did while I was under warranty, but once the warranty, like the, the warranty is 60,000 complete car, 100,000 powertrain. So when it was under warranty, okay. it was there, but once the warranty expired, you know, the dealers are generally more expensive, especially
2: the Chrysler dealership. Uh, no, they, they aren't actually, but hold on, hear me out. But you said that your vehicle had only 102,000 kilometers.
4: Right, and I lost my transmission on the way to the cottage. And okay, uh, hold on
2: a second. So there is something that doesn't make sense. Hear me out. You, you need to listen to me in order for me to help you, okay? So if you service your vehicle all throughout the warranty period up to 100,000 kilometers, 100,000 kilometers to one or two, it's only a 2,000 kilometer delta. So did the dealership didn't give you goodwill?
4: No, no. They, and that's why I called Chrysler uh, customer relations, and and that's how I got the two thousand dollar credit for a future purchase. But they they, they were steadily How much?
2: How much was the transmission?
4: It was just uh, just shy of five grand for a new one.
2: So they gave you two thousand dollars for you to pay a five thousand dollar transmission, and you want to do business with this company again? What's wrong with you? Come on, man.
4: Well, you know what? I I agree. I'm not a big fan of them, but. I mean, pound
2: So for why pound, are you going so, back?
4: Well, first of all, I got a big family. There's seven of us, and and I so I need a minivan. And pound for pound, I mean, you can't you can't beat their prices. I mean, I'd love to own a, you know, uh, some of the uh, uh, you know uh, minivans. Yeah,
2: but Walter, if you if pound for pound they're cheaper. Look what happened to your transmission. Yeah. I would know. I would just dump it. I would just dump it right away and spend all the money. You know what? Actually, Kia Kia has a new van that came out. I saw it the other day, and I didn't recognize the symbol in the back. That thing is beautiful. Pay a little more. Get a little more. So I would put all my money on. I don't know if you can get these things anymore because they're like unicorns. Uh, a Toyota Sienna and a Honda Odyssey. Without a doubt, folks. I'm sorry. I, I know many of you are not going to like what I'm saying right now. But without a doubt. The Toyota Sienna and the Honda Odyssey are the two best vans ever made, end of story. And I I would challenge anyone that can come and talk to me about this and debate that fact. So look, just because the caravan saved Chrysler for going bankrupt back in the 80s, it doesn't mean that it still is. I, You know how many $100,000 caravans are driving around town these days because somehow the oh, the loss of finances and the loss of credits uh, are defied at Chrysler stores on a daily basis? It's quite bizarre, folks. It's a whole different... Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say something. I'm going to get into a lot of trouble because I'm quoting someone. One
4: last
2: question, but I'm, I I'm, okay, I'm going to stop that because I can't, I can't say... No, so look at this. My suggestion to you is this. If that vehicle, uh, if the experience, if the dealership didn't step up and look after you, after you spend every single dollar in service all throughout the 100,000 kilometers and 2,000 kilometers afterwards, just before the next service, and they don't have the, the loyalty to you to look after what happened to your vehicle, I would not be going back there. I'm sorry. You are asking for more problems. And right now you're setting yourself up for failure. So is your vehicle paid off?
4: Yeah, yeah, completely paid off in, 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 in uh, four years after I bought it 2015. And, they, and and back then, they were giving these away. Like, I, I got zero financing after I worked my best deal.
2: Okay, so, so hold on a second, hold on a second. So how many kilometers do you have in the car?
4: Oh, I'm at 140 now, so I'm getting to the point where I, I want to get a newer vehicle. Uh, and, and Why? I, I Is it giving you
2: any problems right now?
4: No, not at all, but I, uh, I'm just... I actually want to get a second vehicle because now my my kids are old enough to drive, and it it would be nice to have a second vehicle, and the the used one, the the twenty fifteen. You know, it will kind of be mine, and I'll let the or vice versa, I'll let the kids drive a second. Okay, vehicle. so
2: okay, so look at this. I think that you're making a mistake in your decision-making process. I don't think that you should be getting rid of that caravan because it's worthless. It's got no value. You know, the the, the price. I've said this a million times. The price of a vehicle is always determined by the number of people getting up in the morning, saying, "Hey, hey, 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 me here." This is today's the day that I'm going to buy myself a 2015 Chrysler caravan with 150,000 kilometers in a new transmission. How many people do you think they get up in the morning asking for that?
4: No, I'm not going to get rid of it. I'm, I'm going to hang on to it, but I just I want to be proactive and, and think of you know, uh, buying something. In the next year, uh, just just move. Okay,
2: forward. so don't I, I? wouldn't get rid of that vehicle. I would I would just keep on driving it to the ground because it's worthless right now, and get yourself a smaller vehicle. So instead of spending two thousand dollars on a vehicle that's going to give you more problems, get yourself a second, you know, a, a second car. How often do you have seven people in the vehicle?
4: Well, I got I have to get a minivan, and the Kia sounds tempting. Uh, I've never gone foreign, but I might I might have to now because. Uh, I mean, the, what, do you mean,
2: the, what do you mean you've never gone foreign? Well,
4: I've never bought any uh, car. Well, I know they're all produced all over the world, anyways, but I've always bought GM or Ford. No, no, no,
2: but I mean, you know, Canada doesn't have a homemade vehicle. So Chrysler is also an import. It's an import from the U.S. So what's the difference?
4: Well, they, but Chrysler has things happening in Ontario, no? Plants or So,
2: or, okay, so using your logic, then Toyota and Honda are Canadian cars
4: true yeah I know it's it's it's
2: not Walter you know we can talk offline because we, we need we we need to go for a small break folks you are listening to the Greg Carrasco show Canada's largest automotive radio show and the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity if you want to get this sort of advice ruthless ruthless advice you need to come and see me because I won't let you waste your money in cars I'm the only one that can say that. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back on the other side of the aisle.
1: I've been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every yeah. time. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh,
0: yeah. It's
4: all about the Benjamins, baby. Uh, uh-huh,
0: yeah.
2: It's all about the Benjamins. We're back, folks. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. That is mostly not about cars. And from time to time, I get some really smart people that come on the show. My buddy, Money Mike, is in the house. Money Mike, what is happening? I'm always...
0: Looks I like think I lost him might. there for a second. Yeah, His, um, looks like you like already uh, wanted to make him
2: leave. Anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll work on that issue <laughs> and we'll get him right back. You know, we, um, let's talk to Jeffrey and Laura before we talk to Money Mike on the other side uh, of, of this conversation. Jeffrey, you are talking to Greg Carrasco from The Greg Carrasco Show. How can I make your life better this morning?
6: Yes, brother. How are you doing this morning? Beautiful show. I'm glad I turned the dial here, man. It's my first time listening to you. It's a beautiful show in the morning. Beautiful.
2: Thank you, uh, man. Thank you. You know, I just uh, I just want to bring people along with me on on my ride, man. My journey is a very complex journey. But, uh, you know, so long as everybody understands that I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. I'm trying to figure it out as I go along. And you guys come along for the ride with me. So how can I help you with? Definitely what brilliant. can I help you with?
6: Okay. Okay. So I've got a quick, uh, just a quick comment. there. It's not going to be long, and then I'm going to get your uh, get your review on it. So you were just saying a few minutes ago, your previous call, you're talking about the Toyota Sienna, and you were saying those are unicorns yep. with the Odysseys. So I have uh, yep. on my hands. I bought it a few months ago. I have a 1999 Toyota Tercel. So I have a Tercel. It's only mm-hmm. 118,000 kilometers on it. It's my pride and joy. My my baby. <laughs> so after doing a lot of work to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, Greg, uh, so what I do now, and I don't know if this is... Because obviously with the gas prices, it's uh, a little bit pricey. But uh, me being a young guy and making decent money, I don't mind doing it. So I, I always fill my Trussell up. Uh, it's made in Japan. It's good quality. I always fill my Trussell up with nothing less than 89 octane. Usually I fill it up with premium fuel. But if not, it's a little too expensive. I'll go down to the 89. I find... I get, i went, I've filled up with regular before, right? I don't, it's not, not regular gas is regular gas. I'm fine with it. But I find superior responsiveness with, with better octane gas. And I've noticed it in other cars as well. When you tromp on the pedal and you want the car to respond, when you're trying to make a lane change, when you're trying to merge onto the highway, I find premium gas really treats your cylinders and your valves and everything like that really good. There are mixed opinions on it, though. A lot of people are saying, oh, no, no, that's a waste of your money. You're absolutely throwing it down the toilet. And I said, no, no. I said, I'm not worried about gas mileage. I still get six or 700 kilometers, whatever it is, out of a tank, whether I fill it up with regular or whether I fill it up with premium. But I find that the car likes the premium better it responds to it better and there is a reason when you go to the gas pump that there are three selections there some some cars command premium like they 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 want it but other cars i'm telling you if if people fill up with premium even on occasion, i do believe that it treats the car very well and i'd like to hear your opinion on the premium gas
2: well jeffrey thank you so much for the phone call you, um, I don't want you to call down that phenomenal performance. It's a beacon of performance. And the Toyota Tercel. And you are a better man than I am, because if you can notice the performance and responsiveness difference between the two octanes, damn, you are one sensitive dude. Have you ever noticed the uh, the difference in performance between one octane or the other one, Mike? Um,
7: Nope. Sorry, you know. Sorry for that listen, when you we, we, no,
2: <laughs> back to you, Greg. Hey, wow, <laughs> back back to me. That's great. You know, Jeffrey. All I can tell you is this: I think it's a waste of money, especially on on little cars like that. Uh, because if you were driving a seven hundred and fifty Li, and you put not the top, the high grade. Uh, gas you are certainly going to feel the difference but with a Tercel I don't know about that but look I mean ultimately this is all anecdotes right you do what you think your car likes best if your baby likes to drink the high octane you feed your baby the high octane that's all there is to it it's about keeping your relationship with your car in good terms you know what I'm saying you know what I'm talking about Mike don't you
7: I do. I do. It, uh, it's it's not what the textbook tells you. You just do what feels right. It's all good.
2: Is uh, that that's ultimately the only thing that matters. But uh, look, I'm I'm super happy that you're here Mike because um um I promised myself that I wasn't going to talk about politics at least in the first hour of the show uh because in today's environment, politics have become very, I mean, they've always been divisive. Uh, but, you know, today people think that just because you think differently than they do, that you are the devil himself. And I'm not. I'm a pretty good dude, for the most part. So. I want to, I want to approach the, the, the political conversation a little bit different because, uh, f- for those of you that don't know, money, Mike is my personal financial advisor. He is the only person that manages my money. And, uh, um, I, I went through life, you know, just feeling, you know, my way around a dark room when it came to finances, I, I, I. I did okay when it came to my work. I was able to get paid adequately for what I was doing. But uh, my ability to generate income did not uh, equate my ability, ability to keep or generate more income based on my investment. So I had no idea what I was talking about. So Mike came along and my life-changed sense. And uh, now the fact that he is here on the show you know, spreading his wisdom to you. Uh, and if you are in need of a financial advisor that uh, is going to have the same type of approach that we do when it comes to cars. Uh, you can reach out to Money Mike, you can find him on moneymike.ca and or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. And for those of you the slackers that already know that we're live, you can call us at 416-870-1050. Now, the this past week is it's been weird because uh, the the build up for the election was so huge and there were so many topics going being tossed left, right and center. And Nothing changed. Nothing changed except a pile of promises by politicians. And we all know how that works out. Um, Are you surprised with the results of the election, number one? And number two, did you see any promises that could potentially help or hurt Canadian populations that were not paying too close attention to what they were saying?
7: Yeah, I, I guess I'm not really surprised at the, at the outcome. Um, I, I think everybody, whether you've been given a pile of money over the course of the pandemic to, to keep you happy or um, things were done that made you unhappy. I, I don't think the political landscape changed too much that you were given a heck of a lot of alternatives for change. Um, so no, I, I think, you know, Inside the margin, everything turned out the way people expected it to, which was uh, status quo of shell shock, uh, of not really knowing where to go and what to do, and let's just keep everything the same. So I don't know. I you know I, I've listened to quite a few people, uh, both north and south of the border, talking about politics, and and a couple of people commented, and and it. Sort of resonated with me to say if you think that electing a certain individual is going to make your life better You really misunderstand politics and you're you're going to be you're going to be left unhappy Because it's just not Mm -hmm. something that makes our lives necessarily better Um, oftentimes it's choosing the lesser of two evils and even if the person that you want to get in gets into power they're not unfortunately doing a lot these days to serve the individuals more than serve their their grasp on power so rather than getting political um yeah let's let's Mm -hmm. do exactly what you said let's talk about what was promised because every party makes certain statements during the campaign of here's what i'm going to do when i'm in power and of course the liberal government now having uh, received a, a another term um, has not only the promises they've made in the past that they still have to carry out, but they made new promises throughout the campaign of here's what we're going to do if you re-elect us. And oftentimes mm-hmm. people don't pay attention to those details. And in My industry, of course, focuses on what are the financial effects of the platforms that each of the parties are, are espousing. So there are some things that were promised by the Liberal government, here's what we're going to do, so, you know, I'll I'll bring them up, and we'll go through them and and just to make people aware of them and they can keep an eye on them and either hold them to it or, you know, grab the uh, the armrest of their chair waiting to get uh, hit with them, whatever your perspective is. Uh so, you know, there's
2: So, um, before yeah. Sorry, before we go into this, um, if, if you're listening to the show folks right now and you want to get a hold of Mike, what do you find that is the best way to get a hold of you, Mike? Is it to, through moneymike.ca or through the 905-320-6762 number?
7: Everybody is doing a mixture of the two. We're getting we're getting emails all the time. Uh, people are calling my cell phone uh, throughout the week and sometimes on the weekends. So whatever method works best for people, they, they're all getting through to us. So
2: it's good. Excellent. So now what, what I want to know is that I want you to break down in the, the different um, you know, segments of finances that we are going to be touching. I mean, uh, will there be a difference between financial services and taxation and that sort of thing? How many, how many different areas uh, of promises are we to expect in the next few minutes?
7: Um, you know what? Look, we'll focus on maybe four or five. Uh, we don't need to get too, too okay. in-depth on it. But, uh, you know, financial services is one of them. Of course, I work for a financial services company, so we pay attention to these details. But, you know, they've made a few, and these won't necessarily affect the average person, but just so that you're aware. So, you know, one of the things that they've promised to do is to raise corporate in, excuse me, income tax rate for banks from 15 to 18% on earnings above a billion dollars, because you know the first billion a profit is really just standard income these days. Um, in fact, most <laughs> of the I know I, that's that's just the base acceptable bottom of scraping by as a financial services company. Oh yeah, um, you know I think most. Yeah, but big I mean, you know,
2: are, just you know, from from a visual standpoint, Mike. Sorry to interrupt you. I mean, from no, fifteen no. to eighteen, that's a, that's a that's a massive amount of money.
7: Well, especially when the big six uh, are often reporting billion-dollar profits per quarter, so to to raise an, a three percent additional tax on, on profit above a billion, that's kind of like saying, "Well, oh, you'll get most of the first quarter the same, and then when you're recording two, three, six, seven billion dollars of of profit, an extra three percent is is a lot of money. It's a lot of money, so." That's something that uh, I, I mean. I I applaud. Obviously, the this is the job of government is to to figure out who is doing exceedingly well in this economy and making sure they contribute their share. So to we need to take them down
2: a little bit. Yeah. yeah so let I'll me why? ask you the question: What is your fair share of what somebody else has earned? <laughs> no, you don't have to answer that.
1: <laughs>
7: Well, no, I actually do have an answer on that because I I know there's a lot of people who think, hey, if you can go out there and earn it, you should have the right to keep it. But for the banks, they are given the, the privilege of earning money off of our society. So they should contribute to the wellness of that society. Obviously, it is also in their best interest that society does well because that's where they make their money. And if they keep it all and and don't share and don't help make society better, their profits will go down in the long run also. So I've got no problem with it. I, I think it's a great idea uh, as long as the government uses it wisely and I'll always uh, throw that caveat in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: okay. So, so next. Yeah.
7: Well, and and I I should mention that they're also, and this one is a little bit more vague, but they're also going to be required to contribute to a Canada recovery dividend. And I think it's a little vague as to what that means, and and we'll have to keep our eye on it and and see as uh, as time goes on. Anyway. (laughs) Um, they're going to do some really boring stuff that nobody cares about um, out in public. Uh, they're going to enhance the powers of the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada to review uh, price changes by the banks and implement uh, changes. Um, so, you know, trying to, to protect the consumer from price gouging, I suppose. Implement the recommendations of an advisory committee on opening banking, a bunch of, of boring stuff, but uh, all about trying to better regulate the industry. And um, create some oversight to make sure everyone's being treated fairly, but um, that again, that's not going to affect the average person. So let's let's talk about what will affect the average person, and that's taxation. Mm-hmm. Taxation is always all right. Let's a hot do this, button, right? Ta- taxation is where it's at. How are you going to change? And, and you and I have talked about this before. Every time a government comes in and has to set their budget, they figure out how much money they want to spend. And then they look at society and they say, where is money being earned? And where can we get a piece of that in order to fund what we want to do? So they adjust our personal tax rates. They adjust sales tax rates. They look at, you know, Toronto did the, uh, they did their own, um, oh, land transfer tax. They doubled the land transfer tax. So, you know, too many people are, are, selling homes and we can make more money that way. Years ago in the financial services industry, the government added HST to the MERs of mutual funds so in other words they started taxing mm-hmm. people's retirement savings because hey a lot of money's accumulating there and we want a piece so that's, that's their process every time there's a budget where is money existing in society and how can we get our hands on it to redistribute it how we choose to do so one of the things that they're they're doing, or a few of the things they're doing, again, not going to affect the average person, but uh, a lot of high net worth individuals will be affected by this. So they're going to implement a tax. on Well, this are these costs. are a
2: lot of your clients, okay. right? And, and so sure. this is this is important. Yeah, uh, especially yep. if, if <laughs> this is this is my beef with all this stuff because somehow uh, we are on a witch hunt of the industrious. We are on a witch hunt of the producers, and. Uh, the, the better you do, the the bigger the hammer the government has uh, as a as a vendetta towards the people that are making some money, and and this affects a lot more people than you think, especially in the town of Oakville, which is beyond me, because uh, the town of Oakville like, apparently they, they 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 voted liberal, and uh, uh, it's beyond me that to this day I that's a bit of a contradiction for me you would think that especially in oakville where where i've lived for so long um that um, that we would have this outcome of the last uh, on the last election but can you i want you to break this down because um there's a lot of super smart people that have done well for themselves and we need to encourage this sort of behavior <laughs> you know do well for yourself you know you put money into the system you hire people you build companies and so on and so on how is this affecting th- this this election has affected these folks?
7: Well, so some of the, the direct measures that have been promised that would affect that group. Uh, the first one was the implementation of a, a tax on luxury cars, boats and planes. Uh, essentially, mm-hmm. and, and they, they'd they sort of hinted at it back in 2020 that it's something they were considering. But now it's going to, this extra tax is going to apply on the retail price of, of these items in excess of $100,000. So if you're buying Explain a car, that, please. Yeah, if you buy a car more than $100,000, then this luxury tax will be applied on the value of the vehicle in excess of 100000 so buy it for 120,000, okay. it will be applied to the, the top 20,000 value of the vehicle. And the tax-
2: What's the percentage?
7: Uh, they said the tax would be calculated at the lesser of 20% of the value above that 100,000 or 10% of the full value of the vehicle. Whatever, whichever is less. Yeah, so it's, I, I, you know, I'm not really sure how much that's gonna make a difference to the average person out there. Um, I don't know how much it's going to make a difference to our tax base as a society, but that's something that they're going to do. Um, for the for the new boats, it was actually on a cost more than 250000 So you're buying a half-million-dollar boat, you're going to pay some extra tax that you weren't paying for more. You're buying a, a jet for yourself, you're going to pay some tax. Um, hmm. Now, the... The other one, and this will have a greater effect, they're going to develop a minimum tax rule to ensure that top earners in society pay at least 15% tax per year. Um, In other words, they're going to remove the ability for these people to artificially pay no tax through the excessive use of deductions or credits. So, you know, south of the border, this is something that people were attacking Donald Trump for. You make hundreds of millions of dollars you paid two hundred dollars in income tax last year and he says oh well It's because Mm -hmm. I had losses from the 90s that I'm still carrying forward so it it, essentially this is the same type of of Taxation approach they're going to say you're going to pay at least 15 percent on Those people who earn more than two hundred sixteen thousand dollars a year so if you find ways to reduce that tax we will find ways to add it back so, you know, the interesting thing for me is there's always been what we call alternative minimum tax rules. And and people, anyone who's sold a, a farm property, a, a piece of real estate, who sold a business, they've they've been subject to those alternative mm-hmm. minimum taxes. But one of the things that's always been sort of uh, sacrosanct in our industry is the ability to reduce your taxation to near zero through RSP contributions. So okay. you, know, you inherit money you can, and you have the room to contribute, you can drop a whole bunch of money into RSPs and drive your income to near zero. So I'm curious to see if this new rule is gonna say, yeah, but you're still gonna have to pay at least 15%, so only use your RSPs so much. It might limit the use of RSPs to reduce your income taxes. Uh, so so, I'll be so we
2: literally don't have the details on this, Mike? Nothing yet. I mean,
7: nothing, to, everything because they haven't actually implemented, everything is sort of based on theory and, and suggestion. Until they actually implement it, you don't know exactly how they're going to implement it. So keep your eye on it. That, mm-hmm. To me, that one is a big one. For
2: sure. You know, that's, that's a very interesting, and I have a bunch of questions for this, but, uh, we're gonna do something right now. Folks, uh, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, and right now, the, the brains of the operation is in the house. His name is Money Mike. He's my, personal financial advisor that is also available to you. Uh, Mike manages my finances and, uh, you know, his services are available on moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. Uh, folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople and, uh, like I said before, if it's 2021. If you're still paying commission when you're buying a vehicle, you're leaving money on the table for absolutely no reason. So you need to come and see me before you buy a car. Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. And we're back, folks. You are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And uh, from time to time, like I always say, we have the brains of the operation coming here. And uh, my very good friend, Money Mike, who is the person that manages my finances, makes the services available to you and you can find them at moneymike.ca or you can call them at 905-320-6762. And um, for those of you that uh, have a financial advisor and you have some money sitting in the bank and you don't know the name of your financial advisor, that should be one of the biggest signs that it maybe it's time. Um, I, I made the phone call and I can tell you it changed my life. So I think it's important that people take into consideration how, how crucial it is for you to take the reins of your retirement, the reins of your future. And you, you know, one of the best things about Mike is that just like when you have a personal trainer, they hold you accountable to what you're doing. Mike is the guy that holds me accountable to my retirement and my finances. And it's uncomfortable sometimes, but. You need to have these people around for them to give you a set of bumper plates that will tell you where to stop. If you don't have this, you have no idea whether you're going in the right direction or not. So again, if you need to reach Money Mike, you can find him at moneymike.ca or you can call him on 905-320-6762. And if you're just tuning in, uh, the election just took place and although we are almost $1 billion Poorer, and the election uh, didn 't really change much of what was happening before uh, in typical political fashion, there were many promises that were made by all political parties. unfortunately, um, you know because nothing changed, we still have the promises of our uh, good friend mr Trudeau so we, uh, we we talked about briefly about the financial services changes and now we were talking about the taxation and how that is going to be affecting you now one of the things that always bothers me about this whole notion of taxation not because i believe that we shouldn't contribute because i do i have no problem paying my taxes but look at this um the the trudeau government was talking about um to go aggressively after tax evasion, which I am all for. Okay. But in the process of doing that, we are going to increase the CRA resources. So we're going to hire more people that that is going to cost more money to the taxpayers to find money from the taxpayers.
7: Yeah. Up to a billion dollars. You see what, what I'm year? saying? Uh, up to a billion dollars. Yeah. Year. That is
2: an insane amount of money.
7: And, and, one of two things: either that is just a ridiculous uh, approach, or it gives you an idea of exactly how much tax evasion the government feels is going on out there. That it's worth our time to pay a billion dollars to go after it. Uh, obviously, you know, as a, as a working in the business world, if I'm going to spend a billion dollars a year on something, I expect it to yield greater than a billion dollars of return. Um, hopefully, far greater. So we'll we'll see. But that's, yeah, that's a lot of money to spend, and hopefully the results uh, yield that it was worth our time. That's a lot of money.
2: A lot of money. It, it is a lot of money, and, and this, is, this is where my beef comes with big fat. Actually, the Canadian government is not fat. I would have to say that the Canadian government is morbidly obese, mm-hmm. borderline in, in <laughs> its endangering its own health. Uh, the Canadian government is so fat. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm not going to go down that no, down, no, down that rabbit there. hole. So you know they're going to invest a billion a billion dollars uh, to create more resources. Uh, that needs to be paid. You have to remember this, folks. That every time the government creates a new office, uh, they have to pay for that office. From somewhere, and since the government is not a revenue generating enterprise, the government is a, gen- a revenue redistribution system. First, before they pay all these people, they need to take that money from somebody else, and guess who that is? Is you and die. Now, do they think that there is over a billion dollars worth of tax evasion? I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of that out there, man. I, <laughs> I, sure. I know some people that uh, are, are sweating right now. So talk to me, what else is going to impact us, us uh, general, you know, regular Canadians after this election? Yeah. I, I, you know, I
7: think the the area of housing is something that affects everybody. And we've all been been watching this this market get to insane high prices and we're all concerned about the next generations ability to buy a home and you know some people will say well that's that's theirs to figure out that's their problem Well, the reality is if you already own a home and someday plan on selling it you're gonna need someone to be behind you to buy it and that is the next generation so if they can't succeed in home ownership we can't succeed even though we already own one so housing is an area that we've all been paying close attention to, and they've come up with some promises that I think actually is is very interesting, and, and I don't know how much of an effect it will have, but uh, some, some positive changes anyway. The first one is imposing an annual 1% tax on the value of non-resident, non-Canadian-owned real estate, residential real estate, that is considered to be vacant. I'm okay periods. with that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I'm okay with that.
7: If anything, I would argue one percent probably doesn't have a big enough impact. Um, yeah, there's just, especially with the appreciation we've seen in real estate. I think there's a lot of uh, non-resident, non-Canadian owners that would just say, "Well, if that's the price of doing business, whatever." They're going to keep doing what they're doing. But that's that's a nice, a good step in the right direction. The the second thing, doubling the first-time home buyers tax credit from five to ten thousand. Again, it adds an extra $1,500 to the to the pocketbook of first-time homebuyers. So, a little bit of of assistance there. This one that I think is the most interesting thing that they've come up with. And I've been trying to find more information about it because there are some details that are still a little fuzzy but this one sounded really really good. They're going to introduce a tax-free first home savings account to enable Canadians under the age of 40 to save up to $40,000 towards their first home with no tax on contributions or withdrawals. Essentially, they're gonna treat it like so an that RRSP. Comes out,
2: that comes out straight from your payroll?
7: Well, no, so so what they're doing is they're saying, you can open up the savings account and you can save up to $40,000 into this account. It's going to act both like an RRSP and a TFSA your contributions going into this account will be tax deductible, just like putting money into an RSP. But when you go to pull the Hmm. money out to buy a house, you will not pay tax on the withdrawal. And so one of the areas that I'm confused about is, will they have to repay it? And I suspect the answer is no, because that's the biggest problem in my mind with the current system, which is allowing first time home buyers to borrow from their RSPs. I don't like that. I hate that system. I th- I think it hurts more mm. Canadians than it helps for two reasons. The first of which being when you withdraw money from an RSP, you are eliminating all of the future years of growth that that RSP would have generated. Right? So you pull out $25,000 from your RSP as a down payment on your first home. Well, had you left that money invested for the next 4 40 years until retirement, that's more than a half million dollars. So you just hurt your retirement by over
2: $500,000. So if you if you literally left the money there, you yeah. would have earned more money than the actual house itself, probably. Uh, I, I think it, that, man. look, yeah, I, I think that it's very easy to, to fall prey of ideologists and ideologues—they uh, when they hate something, they hate everything about it. And uh, th- there are some good things about this platform. There are some good things about this yeah. plan. And and the housing uh, situation is something that I see happening right now. Because look, it—it's never been an easy thing to buy a house. When I bought my first house, it was not easy either. Um, It it seems almost impossible now for the new generation to put themselves into a position in which they can buy uh, a a property. But once you get into the property market, then then everything becomes a little easier. Saying that, I think facilitating and giving um, our young people, especially our kids, some, some vehicles for them to be able to buy a new home is crucial. I mean, buying a house right now is insanely, insanely expensive. You would know this, but you haven't moved in a long time, Mike, have you?
7: Uh, it's been 11 years. It's been 11 years.
2: So that uh, In the last nine years Mike, I have moved six times. I don't recommend
7: people do it your way Greg.
2: Oh no. <laughs> Well, but look I uh, when <laughs> Uh, and, and we can we can speak freely about this because people know all this stuff. Uh, if you, for whatever reason, happen to be affected by a divorce, which is mm. affects a lot of people in our society, you, you know, I mean, you're literally pushing a reset button on everything, on your finances, on your housing situation, on your savings, on everything. So you, you need to find ways to expedite what you know already is possible to do. Now it's hard to do. Changing homes is a very, very difficult thing to do mentally, psychologically, emotionally. It's a difficult thing to do, but stressful. Yeah. But if uh, it's, it's very stressful. But if you are able to do this, uh, it can it can expedite your revenue, your your wealth generating. Uh, Perspective for a very, you know, very very quickly. So uh, I think that facilitating young Canadians um, their, and their ability to be able to generate some money I think is something crucial that the government is doing is there anything else that the government is doing in relation to housing that um, That will help young Canadians
7: so yes um, so they're gonna make the first time homebuyer incentive more flexible by giving Canadians the options of a deferred mortgage loan as an alternative to a current shared equity model. So, you know, they, they talked about this program that they implemented where essentially they will loan you money for part of your down payment. But, um, you know, a lot of the complaint was yes, but now the government is, is a part owner in your home. So that's not necessarily a, a great alternative. Um, so they're offering this ability to make it a deferred loan rather than having the government have a a share of the home equity so uh, again still not a fan of these approaches I I think if you have to borrow money from the government um, and let them be a part owner in order to get a house maybe it's not the right time to buy it Uh, but this this new home savings program that they're talking about the $40,000 I think that one's really promising because that was my biggest complaint about the the current program allowing you to borrow from your RSPs is that you had to repay it. And the the purpose of any sort of home down payment is not only to get you into the house, but also to reduce your cash flow commitment. The more you put down in the house, the less your mortgage payment is. Well, if I borrow from my RSP and have to repay it, I haven't improved my cash flow. So this is something no, that
2: you... the... Yeah. Yeah, you, you have not, and especially if you, if you need to pay it back. Now, the, uh, the, the question that I have for you, and I want you to answer this, you know, after, after the break. Um, okay. where can we go and, and, and find this out? Uh, so if you, if the government allows you to do this, number one, when it comes into place, uh, number two, uh, how do we know if we need to pay it back? And if we do need to pay it back, what are the terms that the government is giving you? So I want you to answer this question after this very uh, short break that we're going to take. Folks, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And this hour is just flying. I don't know why, but we are already at 45. The uh, If you need to uh, reach Mike... Um, Mike can be found at moneymike.ca or you can call him on 905-320-6762 and he is my personal financial advisor who is is making his services available to you folks. And you can take all the advantages that I have taken out of all the financial tools that the government is giving you and then some. We'll be right back after the short break. Those are familiar tunes to let the world know that my friend Money Mike is in the house. He is the one that pulls out the giant pimp hand and slaps some financial sense into me. He is what I needed. I didn't find Mike. Mike found me. And If you're one of those people that is adrift in the financial world, you don't know what you're doing, you have some money, and you don't know where to put it, you cannot trust your financial advisor, you can't trust the bank, and you certainly can't trust your savings accounts because inflation is eating away at that (laughs) aggressively, this is probably the best phone call you'll ever make, folks. It was certainly mine. Write this number down, 905 3206762 or write this email down money or this website moneymike.ca send him an email change your life take control don't be a slacker this morning we're talking about the financial impact some of the promises made by the liberal government in this last election is going to have on you and your kids and your taxes and so on. And um, Money Mike has decided to break break this down for you. So, you know, what I want to do before the end of the hour, Mike, I want you to take me through some highlight reel of all the the things that you see are important and uh, things that the regular consumer can take advantage of uh, with this new government, old government, new government. Sure. You know what I'm talking sure.
7: about. Sure, I do, I do. So yeah, but the, the housing is key. Uh, They've brought out a, a, lot of, a lot of different measures that are gonna improve people. So I'll just run through them quickly. Some of them we've talked about. So first of all, doubling okay. the first time home, home buyer's tax credit from five to 10,000. Introducing the tax-free home, first home savings account, uh, letting you accumulate $40,000 tax deductible contributions to this account that you can then borrow from your home, not have to repay, uh, that, one, that one is huge. Any, any of that 40,000 you don't use, you can just slide it into your RSP. So there really is a no lose on that front. That one's a great program. Uh, the first time home buyer incentive program, having a shared equity mortgage with the government, well you can now go with a deferred mortgage loan as an alternative, but it's another way to help people to get into the home they're re- they're going to reduce the prices charged by CMHC on mortgage insurance by 25%. So as you know, anyone who puts less than a 20% down payment on a home has to mor- mortgage insure mm-hmm. it and it can add, you know, another 2 or 3% to the cost of your home. So they're going to lower that cost by a quarter. So that helps people a little bit more. They're they're trying to inject more money into the the housing market by developing and scaling up a rent-to-own project they're committing a billion dollars in loans and grants to help develop that so it's about making affordable housing and and the next generation coming up needs that so a a lot of really great incentives Uh, one that's interesting that could definitely affect a lot of people you and i were talking about this earlier this week they're going to introduce an anti-flipping tax So now, uh, for for people who are speculating on residential homes, requiring the property to be held at least 12 months. So if you buy your home...
2: When does that come into effect?
7: Well, it's one of those things that this is what they're proposed and it's going to take some time to actually implement. Uh, So nothing specific has been stated as as the timeline. Uh, Usually, by the time they're announcing it, they will give a starting date when that kicks in so yeah if you own a home you cannot sell it in less than 12 months or else you're gonna be paying taxes if it was an investment not your residential home
2: this is going to affect a lot of Canadians that have been able to find uh, making an actual living out of this
7: yes yeah yeah so real estate speculation residential real estate speculation they're they're trying to curb that. So you know, and a couple of other programs like making four billion dollars available to some of the largest cities to accelerate their housing plans, building and preserving and repairing a bunch of homes. So they're, they're, I think housing was probably one of the most robust sections of their platform from a financial perspective, trying to incentivize and and the younger generation needed these. So you know, I know a couple of quick things. Just to sort of round out the the tax measures for seniors, they're going to implement mm-hmm. a career extension tax credit to allow seniors over sixty five who at least earn five thousand dollars a year their jobs to eliminate uh, tax payable on that portion of their income uh, and receive a higher
2: tax up to five thousand uh, dollars.
7: Up to five. Uh, who, who sorry, who earn at least five thousand dollars. So yeah, there's, there's gonna be okay. extra credit there because there's a lot of seniors still working. So they're trying to help them out. Um, introducing a multi-generational home renovation tax credit. So people who are renovating their homes to keep the older generations with them in their house, so there'd be some incentives there. They're increasing old age security by 10% starting next year for seniors who are 75 and older. What? Yes, yes. So, so if w- you're over 75- how much is that? What does that
2: translate s- to?
7: Well, ten percent increase means you know right now uh, old age security is about six hundred thirty dollars a month. So you get an extra sixty three dollars a month if you're over six 6- seventy. So up to
2: seven hundred. Yeah. Hey, listen, seven hundred dollars a month is, is is not a lot of money here. But if you move to Thailand, yeah, it, it <laughs> you're going to be up. just fine. Yeah, and up. and they're
7: going to. You know, so so definitely vulnerable seniors' income is an issue, so this will help them out. They're going to increase the Guaranteed Income Supplement by $500 uh, for singles and 750 for couples. So again, for those older generations who are vulnerable and having income issues, that's going to help. So, um, you know, there's there are a bunch of positive measures. We're going to keep our eye on them and see when they get implemented how they're going to get implemented because there's still a lot of question marks about a lot of these proposals but uh, there's some good and some yeah. bad. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So where can people go and find all these government programs? Is there a specific hub that people can go to and 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 click on things to qualify and see, you know, if what what pertains to them? No, I
7: mean it's Google it. You know, it's, it's widely available. Um, the platforms are, are there to be seen and, and they make uh, announcements when these things come out. I, I guess, you know, the, the one thing that I, I sort of brushed past because I don't want to think about it was all the conversation about increasing capital gains rates. Um, and, and that's something we are definitely going to be keeping our eye on. And, and this is something everybody has to be aware of when it does come down that to, you know, there was conversation about taking our capital gains right back up to 80% from its current level of 50%. Okay. Uh, so that is going to impact a, a vast majority of my clients for sure and will affect a great number of Canadians, greatly increasing their individual tax. So, you know, where do people go to, to find out about these things? Just keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. And talk to your advisor.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, and, and if you are smart like I am, and trust me, I'm not that smart at many, 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 many things. This was one of those smart things that I did. Uh, if you want your handheld, if you uh, have given up and duking it out with the big bangs, and you want to have some personal uh, attention, some personal service from somebody that is my. Uh, one of my heroes because I have heroes for many different things and um, Money Mike is available to you you can reach Money Mike at MoneyMike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762 and for those of you that are have missed the number the number of times that I've said it again 905-320-6762 um, you know before you go Mike you were talking about your son and playing baseball what what was that about uh, I think yeah. that Ben is cutting us off. Ben, can you delay you that to... song for just a little bit? I just oh. want to know.
7: Do you want me to just stick around after we'll talk about it briefly after the break? And...
2: Fine. We, we can do that. Okay, uh, folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan. In Oakville Infinity, we are the home of the no commission salespeople. And if you need to buy a car within the next two, three, four, five months, you better make it down now while we still have cars because the production is not going up and are going so we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. It
1: is time for Greg Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, what's the Greg Carrasco show? Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity, guest From the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has met? Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live, here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Oh. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a dowstock. Movie talk on the boardwalk. shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. This show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco.
2: Okay. And we're back. Folks, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Slacker Nation. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show that is mostly not about cars. This morning we were talking about all sorts of different things. Pickup trucks, Octane, to put in your Tercel. And then we have Money Mike giving us some good news from the last election, which I felt was just... The joke, but uh, I wanted Mike to stay behind and tell me, what what were you guys talking about baseball? I thought you were talking about the Jays first, and then I understand he was your son. Uh, what's going on there?
7: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the baseball season is over. Um, finished up a couple weeks ago, and sadly, it looks like this is the end of his baseball career. Uh, he's decided to move Why? on to other interests. Oh, just, you know... Either the, the in the long run the sport resonates with you or it doesn't. I, I think he's got some other interests and uh, he enjoyed playing. You know, and we're we're so thankful to have had the the season that we did in in twenty twenty one, especially after the the season of twenty twenty. I mean, last year's baseball season he literally played seven games, and I think he had three practices. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and so it was the season That's that not wasn't. Good. So to, you know, this year we got to play, I think, 21 games, had weekly practices. Um, so it was back to a more regular baseball, and, and it was a nice way to, to finish off his baseball career. So,
2: yeah. Well, I'm sure that he will find other interests that are going to be far more engaging and exciting in his young life.
7: We, we hope so. He started high school now, so we're still hopeful for high school baseball or maybe house league next year, but he's got volleyball he's into. He's got uh, a real passion for chess that, uh, you know, despite your claim of, of ping pong prowess, I think if you wanted to sit down and have a game of chess with him, you would find it very frustrating very quickly. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, thank you so much for staying yeah. on the other side of the hour, Mike. I, I wanted to know about that. But, anyways, no I want you to have an awesome weekend. Huh? You I were going to say too, something? But I wanted to ask you something.
7: Yeah, I wanted to ask you something because, um, you know, listening to the first hour of the show and you and I had some off. Uh, camera conversations early in the week talking about the semiconductors and everything going on. And and genuinely, I have this question. I mean, you guys went through the pandemic where you had to be forced to be shut down, where you couldn't sell to people where you couldn't employ people. And finally, things are open back up. And now you're hitting to a situation where you don't have product to sell. So again, Mm -hmm. does that also sort of have the same issue. Is it threatening your ability to employ people? Because you, you don't have product to sell. How do you keep employing everyone?
2: Uh, thank you for the question, Mike. Um, you know, look, I, it's a difficult question to answer because um, I care about the people who work with me. And we are getting to the point now in which when you have 15 cars to sell in a month, you cannot feed people. And the this is the complete opposite of what we were going through last year because last year we had hundreds of cars and no one to sell them to. Now we have no cars. Great. And... Millions of people to sell them to so it went from a buyer's market to a seller's market in which right now You don't determine the uh, I mean not as a dealer as a consumer You don't determine the the terms of the purchase the dealership does because they may not have anything to give you So yeah, it's becoming pretty scary Mike and uh, I'm I can say openly that I'm stressed the hell right out because I, I can see what's happening And um, a lot of people don't have any understanding of what goes on in the mechanics of running a car dealership and I have almost a hundred people working for me there. And if we don't sell cars, we can't turn the lights on. So uh, I'm anxiously waiting for this to turn and uh, unfortunately, many car manufacturers are not stepping up and helping dealers either with a subsidy or with some sort of promise for us to be able to even continue to do what we do. So I I will keep you informed as to how, as to how that goes on in the next few months. But I don't see this changing for the next four or five, maybe even six months. So uh, we'll see what happens. But thank you so much for that question, Mike. And uh, I hope you have a good weekend and uh, I'll I'll see you. um, I'll see you soon enough. I know.
7: Thanks, Greg. Talk soon. Bye bye.
2: No problem. Uh, Folks, the, um, this is, this is the hour of the grievances. This is the hour when, when you uh, have a complaint about your neighbor and you call 416-870-1050. This is the hour when you um, have an issue with your car, an issue with your wife, an issue with your dealer, an issue with the government, an issue with the world, an issue with the premier. This is the hour of the beefs. So if you, like me, are angry by default, that's your default setting, angry. This is the number to call, 416-870-1050. I will listen to you. I promise you, I will listen to you. In this hour, there's no holes barred. We can talk about whatever you want. If you want to talk about the election and the nonsense that took place, let's do it. Because otherwise, you know what's going to happen to me. I wanna start talking about jujitsu and you guys are gonna get bored about it. I never get bored about talking to you about jujitsu. So let's do this. Let's reset the show. Ben, what do you think about this? Let's reset the show, and I'm going to give you the rest of the hour for you to just call the show and talk about whatever you want. Are you happy with the results of the election? Are you not? Are you happy with the vaccine passport and now we have a two-class system, or are you not? Are you okay with what's going on right now? Because clearly, some people decided that we needed to continue the course, even though the vast majority of people decided not to. Um, But that's a whole different conversation. The number to call is 416-870-1050. Again, 416-870-1050. You are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And every week, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville, Infinity. I live at that place, have no life. So before you make any car buying decision, you owe it to yourself, your family, and your bank account. Come and see me. I will save you money. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Give it away now. It's not something that dealers are doing anymore because there are no cars left. So if you go into your local car dealership and you're looking to buy in a car and get in a car, don't ask for a discount. Trust me. They're going to walk you out. Don't offer to pay cash. They're going to walk you out. So, folks, the time has come. This is true. This is happening. This The industry in Canada has never, ever been... Under this type of stress. And, um, unfortunately, it is what it is. So you may not be able to get a car for the next four or five months. Uh, we, uh, we seem to have a phone call here, but my, uh, my producer Ben is on the phone aggressively. It seems like, uh, when I open the lines for you folks to talk about grievances and all the beefs that you have with the world and society and where we're going, the phone's lit up. 416-870-1050 is the number. So call me. I will listen to you. The only thing that I want is for you to actually make a little bit of sense. Uh, who do we have on the line? Um, ben, or maybe he's still on the phone. I don't, I don't see him. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's all tied up. Now, I want to touch on something very quickly before Ben comes online here, uh, because the phone has have just gone crazy. Um, I keep hearing from people that um, are leasing vehicles. Their lease is over. And um, they returned the vehicle to the selling dealer because now they won't allow you to trade that vehicle in anywhere else. And you are getting charged thousands of dollars on excessive wear and tear on your lease return. So listen to me, folks. I know that you think that you're too smart. I know that you're way too smart for the show and the show is way too simple for you. I get that. You're a smart person. But if there is one thing that you should take from this show is the following piece of information. If you are going to get a lease and you don't take a lease protection package from the dealership that is leasing it to you, you have condemned yourself to be in a constant state of stress and potentially pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars simply because you were too cheap to understand the potential exposure that you had on the lease that you are buying. Folks, car manufacturers got really smart a few years ago and they decided that they didn't want to have the conflict with the consumer at the end of a lease because a lot of people that lease vehicles, they don't care. They don't even even service their cars. So what do you think is going to happen when you rent a car for two, three, or four years? When you return your rental... When you return your four-year rental, what do you think is going to happen? The car manufacturer is going to say, oh, you have this here, this mark here, this mark here, there's a burning the seat over here. Uh, there is, you you bang up the, uh, the, the the telephone pole. It, oh, okay, your bill is $7,000. And guess what? You're going to have to pay it. Because if the dealer tells you, oh, don't worry about it, you know, there's no problems here. You know, it's, it'll be fine. If it's not written on your bill of sale, guess what? You're on the hook. And that is a big, big problem, folks, because salespeople, <laughs> I, I don't mean to rag on salespeople, but like politicians, they will tell you whatever they need to tell you in order for you to buy a vehicle from them or for you to get them reelected. And if you, <laughs> if, if you, like me, you understand That promises are made on a regular basis in car dealerships. If it's not on your bill of sale, guess what? It did not happen. Folks, you cannot outsmart that system. If you're leasing a vehicle, get yourself a lease and protection package. You're going to save yourself thousands of dollars. And also, you're going to save the relationship that you have with your dealership. You know, it's like a prenuptial agreement. Is there to protect you when you hate each other? <laughs> Let's talk to Tony in Aurora. Tony, how can Greg make your life? No, actually, in about Keswick, uh, how can I make your life better, Tony?
5: Good morning, slacker uh, and new Keswickian. <laughs> I just want—I just want to know, or I'm curious about. Every time a while back, you would talk about the Keswick buffet, and now I'm wondering, and I don't understand what that means, but. Now,
2: I'm wondering if you have found the Keswick Buffet and what that
5: means for me, please.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, now man. I cannot. <laughs> you know, people that live in Keswick understand this. There is is the Keswick Buffet. You know how many people have asked me over the years, where is the Keswick? This is, is there. It's, is wonderful. But, uh it's a good place, you don't find it open very often. But yeah, the Keswick Buffet does exist. And <laughs> you know, but I can tell you something, man. You know, I I've been in Georgina now for a few months. And uh the 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 kindness that I have seen out of these folks up in Sutton and Keswick and Georgina and Bellhaven, where you know where I happen to live, uh is, is something that I haven't found anywhere in the big city. And uh Man, I, there are some really awesome people up here. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's been a phenomenal experience. I, I think it's going to change soon, but, uh, it's been a phenomenal experience. And, uh, the, the, the amount of friends that I have made up here. Look, I lived in Oak. I've been fortunate enough to be able to have, um, a place in Oakville still. And, uh, the number of people that I have met up here over the last four months is more than the people that I met in Oakville in the last 21 years. I don't know if that tells you anything, but uh, I think that um, this area of southern Ontario is is the new um, is a new little haven that nobody knows about. Why Keswick? Do you do you live up just, here just, or? Uh,
5: no, I actually buy have a property in in, in Keswick that I bought uh, with my wife a few years ago, like seven eight years ago, because it was up and coming. Coming. Yeah. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, we, we're yeah. thinking of the future about, you know, obviously the, the prices are going up. Everything's going up everywhere. So, and it's so close to Toronto and yet so, so close to, to the water. So that was the biggest reason we got it for investment.
2: Well, look at it this way. I mean, from where I live, uh, the uh, Keswick Beach is about maybe 10 minutes away from me. And uh, Sutton Beach is maybe eight minutes away from me. Uh, in, in the town of Georgina, if you have any more than 10 acres, you can literally just take your, you know, shotgun and go into the back and, and, you know, shoot at vermin. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, the, the round, shiny, fluorescent vermins. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, I, it's, it's a whole different lifestyle. I, I have enjoyed it for the time that I've been up here. And, uh, what I can say to you is that, uh, the, uh, I don't think, I think that the, the town of Sutton and the town of Keswick and Georgina by, by and large is, is a whole different thing that people think it is. And, uh, people here are so kind, man. They're so, so kind, uh, that I can't, I can't tell you. So, you know, but anyway, thank you. Thank you so much for calling the show, Tony. I really appreciate Um, who else do we have on the line, Ben?
0: So we've got, uh, Zach on the oh, line. Think- Zach, you're on the Great Crasco Show.
8: Peter. Zach,
2: how can I make your life better this morning?
8: Well, I worship at the Temple of Trasco, Uh and uh, <laughs> you're a good man. You, so, but I'm going to take you from the pastoral uh, badlands, if you like, of Keswick to the mundane uh, trivial question automotive question. And it's just a quickie, really. And um, notwithstanding the current you know resale market for used cars, just in normal times, I know that dealers use from what you've said, proprietary software to um, estimate or to put a value on a used car. But what do you think of the Canadian Black Book mm-hmm. as a rough guide? You know, you're just looking up your used car and you want to know what it's worth before you go to the dealer to get the real price. Do you think it's anywhere in the ballpark? Because at one time that was used by used car managers, I think. <clears throat> but I. I guess it's out of date now, and
2: I just wonder if it has any value at all. Um, I don't. I I haven't used the uh, the black book for the better part of the last I would say ten years now. Saying right. that, uh, the black book is part of what we use within this pro- proprietary software that we use yeah. to uh, evaluate vehicles. Yeah. Uh, the only problem with the uh, with the Canadian black book is that I I do find that it's not as uh, nimble in relation to pricing as I needed to be because right. used vehicles right now and used vehicle inventories are seen more as a commodity. If you're not constantly monitoring the market day supply, yeah. the prices do go up and do go down. You see, yeah. once upon a time, uh, Zach, whenever you, uh, whenever you, you had a price on the website, if the next week the price changed, that was a direct violation of the Consumer Protection Act, <laughs> and uh, really? you can get yeah. yourself into serious problems. Uh-huh. Now, if you if you don't change your prices almost on a daily basis, you're not paying attention to the market. Right, right. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So yeah. oh, sure. I, I don't. I yeah. so um, mean, you look
8: up the price of that uh, 2017. Camry, had black, <clears throat> in black, the black book, and it could be hopelessly out of date for where the market really is today. Is basically
2: uh, I, yeah. If you look at the actual physical black book, yeah. uh, you, I don't, I don't recommend people to use that because no. that is never really up to date. It no. comes out once a month, but I, you know if the market yeah. is so incredibly volatile yeah, so that yeah. even during the day. Yeah. The, yeah. Even during the day, the market could go up and down at several times, right. and uh, that a lot that has a lot to do with most people right now are doing all their shopping uh, online, all the auction, even dealerships. Most of the dealerships are not even going to the auction anymore; they're just going online and and doing um, doing yeah. the on, online auctions. Yeah. Just to give you an example, I have never once in my thirty years in the car industry have gone to the auction, not once. No.
8: Uh-huh. Well, probably everything is done.
2: uh, Yeah, but I mean, a lot of GMS, you know, they they have a lot of fun doing that. I I don't. I I I always felt that uh, there was a lot of funky stuff going on at the auction, and and I didn't want want to be part of it because uh, in the car industry, your reputation is all you have, and the moment that you get tainted with, you know, some funny stuff, you can never get away from that. So I've always been particularly careful. Uh, when when it comes to my exposure and the people that I do business with, yeah. so I, I try not to do that. But Zach, thank you so much for that phone call, man. I, You're I really appreciate it. Appreciate um,
8: it.
2: Take care. Bye. Thank you. No, no problem. Thank you. Um, as I was saying before, folks, if uh, this is your hour, this is where we discuss whatever is on your mind. Um, if you want to discuss traffic, we'll talk traffic. If you want to discuss politics, we'll discuss politics. If you want to talk cars, by all means, that's the only thing that I really know what I'm talking about. Everything else are just opinions now I do want to touch on something that um, I have always found very very interesting and I don't know why people don't talk more about this or maybe they do and I don't know about it I'm the one that is just missing everything but so look at this the um Canada as a population we we all understand that we have uh, a social burden in that we we are in a way we are responsible for the less fortunate side of the population, the sick, the old uh, the handicap we we need to look after uh, that segment of the population that needs us so I'm all for it now when 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 the government starts um, growing these services they they start putting the, the income load onto the general population, which is you and I. So as the government grows and they have more uh, government programs, they take more and more of your money. So that's your tax burden. And uh, the more the government takes from you, the less money you have left. Um, so as the government continues to get Bigger and bigger and bigger, and the bureaucracy grows and grows and grows, and you think that the government is doing wonderful things for you because that's what a lot of people think they do. Um, that tax burden keeps coming out of the general population. Now, when the tax burden comes out of the general population, now the people at home now have less and less and less and less to live with. So. When you are taking most of the money away from the people that would otherwise use it for X, buy a house. Like, Let me give you an example right now. The government is coming up with all these programs for young people to buy houses. Well, if you reduce the tax burden, they would have the money. So they create the very problem that they claim to solve. And in the process, the government gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Very soon, very soon. You will be working for the government, even though you're working for somewhere else. And I can't understand why people don't talk more about this. Look, I've discussed this on the show, but I I, I feel that I need to say this again. When If you are a well-to-do person and uh, you happen to be one of those lucky people that are in in a 50% tax bracket, okay? Let's say that you're one of them or that you have the aspiration of becoming one of them because some people just don't have any ambition and I don't have anything in common with them. Uh, look, if, if you get up anything after 9 o'clock in the morning, I really have nothing in common with you because there is one of the common denominators of people that make it in the world. They never sleep in, period. End of story. So if you're one of those lucky people that are in a 50% tax bracket, the government takes 50% of what you earn. Okay, Fine. Then every time you buy something, you pay another 13%. So now the government takes 63% of what you own. Then on top of that, you have your property taxes. Let's say that is 1%. Then you have your land transfer tax if you happen to buy or sell a property within that year. Then on top of that, you have your UIC, your CPP, and all the other assorted taxes that you are obligated to pay, very soon you end up at a marginal taxation of almost 70%. So you are literally 30% away of working from the government and you happen to be one of those lucky ones because you have enough money for you to pay 50% of your income to the government. And now when I hear of all these new government programs and initiatives and everything else that the government does... You see, you have to understand, folks, that the government doesn't make money. The government doesn't own a corporation. They subsidize failing corporations. They provide corporate welfare to save companies that are not viable to survive, so they use your dollars to solvent failing companies. As the government grows, guess what? Your take-home income shrinks. And... For the life of me, I can't understand how we have rationalized the whole concept that more government programs are better when if we were able to keep a little bit more of what we make, we wouldn't have those problems to begin with. I want you to think about that for a second. If you disagree with me, go for it. Call me, 416. 416- Eight seven oh ten fifty 1050 is the phone number. I know that somebody's calling me here from Barry Ali, you are from Barry. How can I make your life better this morning?
9: Hey, morning, Greg. Uh, I knew that after all these years of listening to you, I will come up with a question to ask you. So hear me out. I <laughs> have this dilemma. Yes. My vehicle, I drive a Volvo XC90 uh, 2018. The lease is coming up in 30 days. Vehicle is great, fantastic, no complaints over it. Absolutely the most versatile vehicle that I've ever owned. So having said that, completely underused. Um, I had a 96,000-kilometer thing on it. I'm sitting at about 75,000 right now. Uh, I just had the lease mm-hmm. company come and do a lease return inspection on it, and the guy came back and he said he said something that completely blew my mind away. And he said, uh, are you buying it out or are you returning it? And I said, no, I'm returning it. And he says, uh, you, do you know your buyback on this is $32,000? And I was like, mm, yeah, maybe I did know that. He says, they're going to turn around and sell this for forty-eight because that's what the used market is today. You should probably think about buying this out. Now, while that's happening, I have been shopping around, and you said something earlier, that right now, walk into a dealership, if you are picky about the vehicle you want, Deliveries March, April of next year, maybe. And I was like, well, I, I, I've heard you so many times say, bad idea. Do not buy your lease out. Uh, but in today's market, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Should I, the car's great. It has had a full service warranty on it. So it's been serviced every single time. I, I think in the four years I've had the vehicle, I've gone taken it in for service maybe four times zero issues with the vehicle like it looks and drives so
2: are you crazy. asking me whether you should buy the vehicle at the end
9: so i have two questions one should i buy okay. this out wait for the market to die to calm down say next year and then use this as a trade to get into my newer vehicle or b and here's here's my scenario we have now gotten to a point in our life where my wife has a vehicle she has a buick enclave seventy year old that we have fully paid off nothing on it Um, we are technically a one car family. Maybe we may need a two car, but I have a second car accessible to me through work. So part of me says, return it, let this chapter close out, wait until spring of next year, and then see if we can go out and get a new vehicle. But I don't know what spring of next year is going to look like, right? So yeah, two questions. What should I do? Buy this or wait until next year?
2: Well, look at it this way. I mean, if you want to, if you have to remember something that it's the same thing that do um, day trading. There are some people that are aficionados and, and with their stock investments. So they duke it out with the hedge firms, hedge fund firms that uh, do this for a living and they have analysts that pay millions of dollars for them to analyze the market and they think that they have a, a, A chance to win. Yes, you will always find the exception to the rule that, oh, I know a guy that knows a guy that made a lot of money in the stock market by himself. Sure, that does happen. But the reality is that the market is not as easy as you may think. Mm -hmm. The fact that this uh, um, lease and inspection person told you that is very, very irresponsible. Because, number one, he is not in the retail business. Number two, he has no idea what that vehicle is being sold for. Number three, what about all the other implications? So let me give you an example. Your buyback is $32,000, correct? Correct. Um, Are you going to pay cash for that vehicle?
9: Part of it. uh, Maybe half of it.
2: Okay. Okay. Now, I, I don't know if you, Ali, if your, if your radio is on, but if you can turn the volume down it would be fantastic. Uh, yeah. so let's say that you, that you finance the $20,000. So now you have $32,000. you are going to have to pay 13% on those uh, $32,000. So it's going to be probably $5,000. So you're looking at $37,000 plus the safety certification that you need to do that. Uh, so you are talking, I don't know, maybe $38,000, depending on what you need, if you need tires or brakes or whatnot. Now you're gonna finance twenty, some thousand dollars at used car rates, which are going to be anywhere between five to six point five percent interest rate over the next four years. So now you're gonna spend another three or four, maybe even five thousand dollars on cost of borrowing. So now you, in in order for you to own this vehicle, you're gonna have to spend about forty one thousand dollars. Now the question that I have for you is that when are you planning to sell it? So if you're planning to keep it for the next five, six, seven years, then go for it because you're not gonna be able to replace it for the same amount of money. But if you're buying it to make the spread on the used cars, you're not going to be able to do that. It doesn't make sense because in order for you to do that, you number one need to break the number one cardinal rule that I have for people buying cars, which is never pay cash for a depreciating asset. Boom. That, that you're breaking. Number two, you have to pay taxes on that buyback at the end. So the buyback is 32,000. Sure. But then you're going to have to pay taxes on that that you're never going to be able to get back. And. What if by the time you decide to sell it, the market has come back and they've left you playing offside? You're going to lose all those monies. That's not a good idea. Um, now, unless you're planning to keep the vehicle for another six, seven or eight years, then I, ca- I can say, OK, fine, do it. Because you have no kilometers, uh, you don't use a vehicle that much, you may need a second car. But then if that was the situation, why did you lease it to begin with? That's why I think leasing is never a good thing, folks. Leasing is never a good idea. But people don't listen to me. Look at it this way, Ali. If leasing was good for the people, manufacturers wouldn't let you do it. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, uh, I don't know I if Ali's still there. A
9: crystal do. ball a crystal ball question here and I know I know you probably may yep. have better insights than everybody else around here. But where where do you think this whole thing's going with this chip thing? Everywhere I talk to anybody about a vehicle, it's nothing but chip, right? And that's that's that no chips, no cars, no chips. Like what do you think as an insider with you a person that has to sell vehicles for a living? Where, when when do you see this market coming down? Things going back to some sort of a normalcy?
2: Well, you know, it, it, that's a good question. I don't see it coming back for at least another six months because even when the, uh, the TFT screens, the IV con- uh, conductors, I think they're called, and the, uh, the microconductors um, start getting produced and they start working their way down through the production chain uh, to car manufacturers, you are still looking at another two or three months until they make enough vehicles for them to start shipping them down to different countries, to different dealers, so they can make it down to the, to dealer lots. Let me give you an example. Uh, in the, in the latest meeting that we had with Infinity Canada, uh, we have a new product that is called the QX60. And if you haven't seen it, it's phenomenal. It's a beautiful car. It's, it was supposed to save for all those years that we haven't had a new car in Infinity uh we saw it we had a gala we had a pile of um pre orders so the announcement was this that for q3 of fiscal and q4 calendar so that is october november december the the production of the qx60 has been cut down by 80% and the production of the qx80 the qx60 cut down 80% and the qx80 has been cut down by 100% we have no Cars. So now, if, if the production of those vehicles has been completely cut off, let's say in the QX80s for October, November, December, or close to it anyways, when will I see those vehicles coming? I'm not going to see those vehicles coming until probably February or March. So that puts us half a year away from today. Uh, and, and that is a critical issue. Now, the, the microconductors and the TFT screens are one thing of the problem. The other ones are, I believe, this is what I heard from, from the factory the other day, um, that, um, heated seats. Heated seats and the modules are also becoming very, very scarce. So when people are not driving that much, they started to buy consumer home electronics. And all the supply has gone to all those people. And now the car industry has been left aside because they were not selling a lot of vehicles. And many car manufacturers became too smart for their own good. And they stopped ordering those products back in 2020, early 2020, when they saw that people were going to be stuck at home forever. So... I don't see this changing for the next six or seven months, to be perfectly honest with you. And if dealers were listening to me right now, you would be hanging on to that product with all you can. I wouldn't be selling any cars to the U.S. I wouldn't be wholesaling anything that you have because come December, uh, we are going to be in a serious, serious situation in which we will have no product available. Ali, thank you so much for that phone call, dude. I, I really appreciated that you listened to the show. Um, okay. Uh Ben, let's take a short break. And uh we, uh we we still have a few minutes before the end of the hour. So if you have anything to say, if you want to talk about cars, politics, philosophy, literature, real estate, uh mean jujitsu, finances, investment, you can call the show four one six eight seven oh ten fifty is the phone number. Four one six eight seven oh. 1050 is the phone number. Call us. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. It is your duty as a member of the Slacker Nation to find me. If you know of anyone that's buying a vehicle, come and see me. We'll make sure that we look after you. Unless you are my good friend Tom Kelspeak's parents, then they left me. Makes me so sad. Anyways, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. We only have a few minutes left in the show, so I implore my two callers that I have on, on hold right now to get on air, ask me the question, and I'll do whatever I can to answer it as succinctly as possible. Victor from Toronto, how can Carrasco make your life better this morning?
5: All uh, you're just, uh, it's a bonus talking to you. My life is good this morning. Uh, hey, Greg,
2: uh, <laughs> That's awesome. I...
5: Uh, Oil changes, maintenance, religiously, we do it always with the dealer. Uh, when we take the car to the dealer, once it's in their possession, uh, should something happen, get stolen, damaged, uh, who's liable for that? Is it my insurance or someone you else? You are.
2: Okay. No, you are. The uh, It's the same thing when you go to the mall. The... Um, dealers cannot be liable for what happens to your vehicle on our lot because we really don't have any look at it. I mean, most dealerships will have a sign uh, that says that, you know, we are not responsible for what happens to the vehicle on the premises. There are too many cars. It's impossible. So if you have proper insurance, you sh- it shouldn't be an issue. Can I tell you quickly? Uh, unless, unless it's um, yeah, uh, yeah, quickly. Uh,
5: took my car for a oil change. We have two vehicles, same uh, manufacturer, a sedan SUV. Uh, not 10 o'clock appointment, arrive at uh, 9.45. A gentleman takes the vehicle, drives it into the building. I go to the desk, you know, uh, you know, the name, appointment, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, good. So this is before COVID. So I go for a coffee uh, three, four blocks down. At 10.20, I get a phone call asking, where did I park the vehicle? I, I told him I didn't park it. You guys took me, drove it in. Oh, okay, okay, fine. Uh, no exaggeration, 10 to ten to 11. Which vehicle did you bring in? I'm thinking, what? I brought in the, that one, not the SUV, the sedan. Okay, anyway, got the car at 1210 after the old change. Nothing had, you know, only the old change required, nothing else. But I, I was so disappointed that I never went back to that dealer. I still go to a dealer, but not that one for any services.
2: Well, listen. You 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 need to do what you need to do when it comes to those things. I, uh, if if you have had a, a good relationship, thank you so much for the phone call, Victor. If you have had a, a a good relationship with a dealer for you know six, seven, eight years, and they they make a mistake. Don't write them off. I mean, most dealerships will make a mistake at some point. Uh, but if you if you have a good relationship with your service advisor, I'm sure that you can have a conversation there. Uh, you know, we're very lucky that way. A lot of our customers are super cool and my, my staff has been there for a long time. So they develop relationships with the service advisors. So uh, I, I really hope that you can find a dealer that, that that you like and uh, they treat you properly. Uh, let's talk to John in Mississauga. John, thank you so much for calling the Carrasco Show. How can I make your life better this morning?
9: Uh, hi, Greg. I listen often and enjoy your show, and uh, I have a, a car question for you. I took possession of yep. a, a new SUV about a month ago. I have about 2,100 kilometers on it now. It came with an electronic module for rust-proofing. I've heard mixed things yep. about them, but I'm thinking of getting undercoating. and I, I heard you mention Crown in the past. I wonder if you recommend it from a protection point of view as well as protecting the value of the vehicle. And is I, I do not. I,
2: I think that um, yeah, I don't think you you need to. I mean, that's the whole point of the Rust module, And that look, it doesn't matter what you read because Google and the algorithms is built to tell you whatever it is that you're looking for. So if you're looking at you know for problems on this specific product. That's exactly what you will find. You see, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't particularly care much about the Rust module. I care about the warranty that comes with it. So if you just make sure that you are doing whatever you need to do to upkeep that warranty because there are some Rust modules that are sold to you with a once a year inspection and there are some other ones that are sold to you with no inspection whatsoever. Now, the reason why I don't like the idea of the undercoat is because you cover any, uh, any sort of surface. So early detection is is out the door. You will never be able to de- determine early what is going on in there. And if you have the module and you have a proper warranty with it, make sure that the warranty is registered, then you are covered no matter what. So I think that, I mean, you're not going to hurt the car, but I think it's overkill. I don't think, if are related to me, I would say don't do it. It's not necessary.
9: I'm related to you. So that works just fine for me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you so much for calling the show, John. I really appreciate it, and I hope that uh, my thank you. And uh, I, I hope that my advice saved you some money. Wow! You know, I was so anxiously desperate to have the show this morning. Uh, I don't realize sometimes the the number of people that we touch when we have the show on Saturdays, and. Um, I got this crazy touching email this week. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm having trouble sleeping, and uh, uh, it was like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, and I got an email from one of the listeners saying that uh, he, he, listening to the show got him through some really tough times in his in his life, and uh, um, you know he wasn't asking for anything. He was just sharing an experience with me. And um, the only thing I, I want to leave you with this morning is that is look, man. For all of you boys and girls out there, if you're going through a tough time and you don't know what's going on, you're not alone. You know, you hear me here every Saturday morning, and it's pretty scary out there. Like, it's it's scary. But eventually everything just goes away, you know. If time has a really magical effect on things, just hang in there. We'll be fine. If you want to come down and talk to me and get a t-shirt, a slacker t-shirt for that matter, you need to make it down to Oakville. Oakville is an interesting place. I've been there for a long time. But you owe it to yourself before you make any car buying decision. You need to come and see me at Oakville Infinity and Oakville Nissan. There is something happening there at OakvilleNissan.com are serving with you all.
8: Autobots!